Welcome, affiliated listeners, to another episode of the Affiliated Podcast, where we give you all the marketing secrets and things that you need to be better marketers and especially better affiliate marketers in whatever capacity that means your business, whether you're using affiliates or you are affiliates. And today we're going to have a conversation that I know we've had tidbits of this before, but it still is a pervasive issue. And we're talking with the amazing Claire Winslow about it. Claire is a, uh, she owns and runs a, a Facebook media buying agency that's fantastic. She's working with all sorts of brands. She's been doing this since 2015, um, which she'll reference because boy, Facebook was different back then. Um, but she is a four, I've put an expert in really understanding how Facebook has changed. Um, but unlike some people, she's been able to continue to still be successful for her clients, for herself in that realm. And today we really want to talk about what's changed, how it's changed and what she's doing to pivot. And maybe hopefully that'll help you guys figure out what you need to do and pivot in your business, especially going into 2023 um, as we continue to say goodbye to all the weirdest years of all of our lives that we've experienced for the past two. So um, with that first, I'm obviously joined by my amazing co-host Thomas and Claire, of course, how are you doing today? Great to see you. And um, for those that are watching on video, Claire's fantastic closet, which many of us are very <laughs> envious of, um, white, organized, and large. So, um, man, there's a weird joke there that I'm just going to leave be, but <laughs> how are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. And I, as, as I said earlier, you know, my fiance and I spent two years building a house and we forgot that we both work from home a whole lot and have calls all day long. So this is kind of my office now. Uh, and, in, you know, instead of doing a Facebook ads, we could do a closet tour, but I think since most of you are listening on audio, that would be pretty boring. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say for all the Gen Zers, Millennials that remember Cribs, maybe one day we'll do the the YouTube version of like Cribs on marketers for like I don't know the fifty people that really care, but we'll we'll save that <laughs> right? for later, right? So, um, but please, yeah, these sign are the, like T-shirts I wear every day. <laughs> Well, perfect. Well, let's let's roll into it. So, with with just to get things going, I know we kind of just glossed over your your history here a little bit. And honestly, you know, I'll just put it this way: you're awesome at what you do. You've been doing it for a while. Great. We can move on to the next part, which is, given that you're so awesome at what you do, given that things have changed so much, talk me through a little bit about like actually, what I'd love to do is when it first came out, when iOS first came out, we saw that targeting get stripped away from Facebook. Walk me through the oh shit moments and and what you did to kind of pivot and change. Yeah. So, um, you know, most of you on here, I imagine kind of know, uh, you know, if, if you were running Facebook ads at that time, you got hit, everyone did. Uh, I think for a while we were all like, there was, I was in all these groups and a lot of people were saying, and they're still saying, and I appreciate that they're saying that I have some things about that too, but they're all saying like, you know, have good copy and good creative. And like, yeah, for sure. But there's so much else going on. And, you know, I think it's really a bummer to like be a small business owner and to have had this like really awesome strategy built out that included great copy and great creative um, and, you know, to have kind of the bottom fall out. So I, I can kind of walk you guys through a little bit of a timeline of, of you know, what happened. I am, you know, unique in this in that I'm actually kind of team Facebook on on this one. Um, I think a lot of marketers are team Facebook as opposed to Apple, but a lot of lay people were pro Apple for a long time, which was like a really interesting dichotomy. Um, when I when I give this talk from stage, uh, you know, I, I pull up the little uh, blip and I talk about neurolinguistic programming around iOS, which is a unique perspective on it, I think. Um, but uh, NLP essentially, depending on how you look at it, is either like could a force for good or a manipulative way to get people to do what you want. And um, I think that that's what Apple did. So they, so you know, they this 
pop-up started to happen with iOS 14. Um, and the, the language they used was really interesting. And all the little NLP tidbits that they threw in this tiny little pop-up, I think, um, were really interesting. Um, and, and the phrase was exactly allow, like, let's say Facebook is who we're talking about. Say allow Facebook to track your activity across other companies, apps, and websites, question mark. And then first, um, that was in bold would say, ask app not to track. And then second, which was not in bold would say, allow. And like, even as a marketer, and even though I knew this was coming down the pipe, like the first time I saw that pop up, like I just clicked ask app not to track. And then I was like, whoa, no, I want to be tracked. Like I want personalized ads. But the way that it's phrased is in such a way that like, of course, people are going to click that. So there's, there's, you know, debate on how many people clicked ask app not to track and ask and allow. But I've heard as much as 96% of people clicked ask app not to track, which means that 4% of people um, sort of understood what this question was about. Uh, which again, you know, around this time, Apple's like running um, commercials. I, I have one I can put in the show notes later. Like they're super funny, cute commercials um, about like a guy going about his day and like people following him and asking him questions. And it's this like anti-tracking commercial. And Apple's trying to position themselves like this is about you. This is about, you know, your privacy. Tim Cook um, on December tw 17, 2020, he tweeted, we believe users should have the choice over the data that is being collected about them and how it's used. Facebook can continue to track users across apps and websites as before. App tracking transparency in iOS 14 will just require that they ask for your permission first. And it gets like all this positive feedback from people that aren't marketers. Meanwhile, marketers are, you know, totally freaking out. <laughs> I wonder if anyone's read the terms and conditions on or the terms of service on their um, iPhone or iOS or anything like that. <laughs> Yeah. So when I, when, again, when I give this from stage, I literally like have most people who have an iPhone, everybody in the audience, like pull theirs out and, you know, go into settings, scroll down to privacy, scroll down to the bottom that says Apple advertising, and then read me that little blurb, like someone from the audience. And it says, so this is obviously auto toggled on. Cause of course it would be. And it says, so going back to NLP, this one says it in a totally different way, which is Turning off personalized ads will limit Apple's ability to deliver relevant ads to you, but will not reduce the number of ads you receive. So when I read that as a lay person, I'm like, oh, you know, it, this like this doesn't mean I'm not going to see ads. This just means I'm going to see like Viagra ads instead of like, you know, whatever stuff I buy on Instagram. Like, so the that's number one that I think was pretty manipulative. Um, I, I. I forget what the word is. Like if this were done in a non-technology realm, this would be like, what is it? Arbitrage or something like this. This would be, this would be a concern <laughs> um, to people, but because it's in, in technology and nobody really understands it and it's not as regulated, like it's just fine for them to do. Yeah. If it was in politics, it'd just be an election cycle. That's all we would see. Yeah. So, so Apple, you know, it, in, in the marketing and technology world, if you ask Apple this question, their retort is essentially, well, we don't track you across platforms. Um, you know, we only track you on our platforms as opposed to like tracking your behavior when you go to Facebook and da, 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 which is that's why Facebook is bad. And that's why Apple is good. But again, to the layperson, like I don't think they're considering that the factor is, do you track me across platforms or do you just track a bunch of stuff? Because Apple is still using like, you know, 
what device do you use? Like, it, what do you read in Apple News? Like, it's still using its own suite of stuff to to serve you personalized ads. So again, like, fine, maybe the the terms are slightly different, but to an average person, the thing that they care about, which they thought was privacy, is 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 not super privacy first from either Facebook or Apple. So, you know, in um, let's see, this is I think this article. Let's see if it'll let me do it. Yeah, so there's an article in Apple, or sorry, October of 2021, um, in Forbes that says Apple. <laughs> Report says Apple's ad network is the biggest beneficiary of Apple's new marketing rules. Um, so that was October 2021. It's timely that we're speaking now because here's a Bloomberg article um, in August 14th, which was a big announcement um, that Apple finds its next big business showing ads on your phone. So <laughs> essentially, um, you know, their ad platform has been limited to like news and stocks, I believe. And now it's going to, you know, move out into other things. I don't think it's going to go like obviously cross platform or into other apps that it doesn't own, but essentially like I, I see you Apple <laughs> and, and I don't, and I don't like it. We've got all these, all these non-marketers like rejoicing in Apple's like privacy crusade, but obviously, as as you guys know, and anyone listening, like small businesses were absolutely, you know, the number one casualty of, of all of this, um, you know, and, and I know Kurt, you had Kurt on uh, last year and, and talking about it, you know, as far as C rising CPMs, rising costs, like, you know, and, and in all these Facebook groups that I'm in, people just like, uh, I think this, you know, when when something that people have known how to do really well changes in such a drastic way there's this like slow burnoff and that was the like good creative and good copy burnoff where like for a year people are like it's not affecting me at all and you're like uh, I don't know I think it is but and you can't just like come up with cool new creative ways to combat like the beast that is iOS 14. Do you think like I was always curious with the iOS 14 piece and rising CPMs do you think that contributed to CPMs going up or was, or was Facebook just like, we need to raise more money. So we're going to charge probably, more for ad space. Probably both. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> both I mean, true. you yeah. know, this, it's been really interesting and I don't, I don't follow it as much on the, on the financial side and the, the quarterly side as far as what's happening, but I just know it's a slow and steady <laughs> fall to the bottom, um, you know, with, with everyone spinning their wheels, like Facebook, how, how do we, how do we become meta? How do we, you know, diversify? And then, and then marketers themselves, like, how do we diversify? I mean, the, the example that I use all the time, cause it's my fiance's business is, is, um, brute force training. Uh, you know, they sell CrossFit equip equipment to CrossFitters and, you know, when, when he bought the company, we could be what I call lazy marketers where we could just be like, Hey, Labor Day sale, buy this stuff. And people, and like throw up a picture of, you know, sandbags and weighted vests. And people would be like, Whoa, that's me. That's for me. I need that. And it was this really easy process. And we would get like a four to one row as no matter what we did with the copy or creative, it was pretty standard because the audience targeting was so good. Um, and then now, <laughs> you know, that's not the case, even with super creative copy and super creative creative, um, you know, the that golden era, um, you know, has essentially come to a close. There are lots of things 
that we're doing to combat it, which I can talk about today. Uh, but you know, I think I think the big, the more, the most meta (pun intended), uh, you know, thing to be aware of is that we can't do what we used to do anymore. <laughs> we have to pivot. Well, I love what you mentioned too—the fact that it's it's you've seen some people like, oh no, it's totally fine because they had such good creative and campaigns as they were going when all this happened. They're like, it's fine. And now they might be, you know, curled up in the fetal position on the floor <laughs> wondering what, what happened and why they can't scale campaigns. So I think that transitions nicely into, so what, what can you do? What can people start doing? Yeah. Now? Well, one thing I was going to say is, you know, the, the silver lining of this whole thing, at least from my perspective, not for poor small business owners, but from my perspective as an agency owner is this really weeded out people that weren't good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they were the first casualties is like, if you've been able to get by in this industry with lazy copy and creative, you know, as a result of, of Facebook carrying you along, that is not happening anymore. So the, um, the pool of people that know what they're doing and are good at this has, has, Got, probably gotten smaller. Um, so, so what can you do? Okay. So to answer that question, you know, what the implications of this are twofold, like the, the problems that have arisen as a result of iOS 14 are, um, are twofold. The one that 90% of people in Facebook groups and everything is talking about is tracking. Oh no, I don't know which ads are leading to which conversions, you know, and there are lots of things that we could talk about today, um, you know, like domain verification and, uh, you know, prioritizing events, dynamic UTM codes, uh, you know, tracking softwares like Hyros is my personal favorite, but there are a bunch of others, AnyTrack, Triple Whale, stuff like that. You know, there, there are a lot of things, and that's a pretty boring podcast, honestly. <laughs> um, so we, we won't go there, but there, that, that's sort of what people are doing to combat these tracking issues. And that's where a lot of people's focus is on. Um, but the, the ancillary, the, the more important and, and secondary um, result of this problem is that Facebook no longer knows who's in these audiences. So the top funnel interest-based, uh, you know, audiences, the lookalike audiences, like those are bad. Those are full of bad data or lower data than they used to have. So when we talk about like, what do we do to combat this? That's really the problem that I'm focused on is like, you know, it's not the golden era anymore. Facebook itself doesn't know who's in these audiences. Like what can we do? Um, so the first one that I have in this real one, fast, I just yeah. want to pause. Cause I think, um, something you said that really stood out to me. So the idea, cause I think there's still, and I still see this with some affiliates where oftentimes they go to offer owners and they ask for a hash buyers list, but you'd probably recommend not to do that anymore because what you're getting back is just not quality data any longer. So that hash buyers list isn't doing anything for you because who they'll pair it up with. It's basically like pulling random jelly beans out of a bowl and saying, yeah, this is exactly what you asked for. So um, yeah. Here yeah. Go. So, so in that brute force example, like the CrossFit audience killed for us, like, and it just did, and it was huge and it was accurate and we could just run whatever to it and sell, you know, CrossFit equipment to CrossFit people. Now that CrossFit audience is bad. And it's funny because Facebook will even give you a little disclaimer up at the top when you're building your ads. It's like, ah, eh, 
I don't know about this audience anymore. It's like, you know, sorry, sorry. Like we, we're not actually sure. And now they have these things that they'll kind of auto toggle on. And they're like, we might show your ads to people who aren't in this audience, if that's cool. You know, like <laughs> it's like audience expansion where they're like, um, we, it's actually better for you if we don't just focus on the people that are in this audience. Cause it's not really CrossFitters anymore. Like there, it might be a little bit, but like, we can't really see what they're doing, um, anymore. And so we, so it's just not accurate. So they're, they're trying to tell us like, <laughs> um, you know, and they'll, they'll make these quote unquote recommendations the way that Google does where they're just like, Hey, you know, I know it used to be like you put different audiences in different ad sets, but now it's just like, Hey, screw it. Like put them all together. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like, send it, send this stuff to a really big audience. Don't try to test audiences anymore because, you know, we don't, uh, we just don't know. So it's, we're back to the, the golden day or not the golden days, the pre golden days, like the, the early display ad Facebook style stuff where they didn't know everything about everyone. Um, and, and we just have to assume that we don't any anymore. So my first recommendation, which kills me to say publicly, I don't think I, I don't think I have outside of small groups. Um, but Kyle, Ooh. you've, you've heard me Ugh, Teaser guys, teaser guys. Big, yeah. Um, hot take here. Hot which take is Claire. totally broad audiences, which like sucks to say as a marketer, because that makes me look like I do not know what I'm doing. And it's very difficult for me to leave off interests, um, and, you know, and demographics and, and anything out of these, audiences, but I will tell you what keeps happening. I am stubborn. So I'm like, no, like I can't, I can't leave it totally broad. Like, let me add something in. And, and every time I do that against a broad audience, like the broad audience often wins. Um, so, so it's, it's a total bummer because, you know, again, if, if I show my ad sets at this point to someone, they're like, Hey, you forgot something um you know but i i did it it's really just like if if the in certain niches and especially with brute force like if i run a totally broad ad set against anything else that feels like it would make sense functional fitness whatever look alike it's like the broad audience is going to win out because you know it's it's a wider audience um the cpms will likely be lower because they're working overtime to try and show it to more people to get more people to buy. So now it's just a numbers game. Does your, have the creatives had to change it all with that? Or do you just like let the people self segment when they see the right creative? Yeah, I think that's why broad works because the self segmenting is still working. Like Facebook still has an algorithm that, that will allow, like by the end of that campaign, CrossFit people are seeing that ad more than they were in the beginning, but it's allowing like the algorithm to do its work over the life of the campaign, rather than saying in the beginning, cutting it off its, its knees and being like, Hey, show it to this bad audience first instead, you know? Yeah. So it almost, it's like a, the campaigns take more patience now because you have to let yeah. the algorithm start to work a little bit um, as it's almost like a traditional display. Does that also, I'd imagine that would change the creatives too, because I now can't be like, do you want some sand on that weighted vest? Like, boom, here you go. Labor Day sales. So put the labor in Labor Day. You know, that probably doesn't work as well anymore. Yeah. So so that is a great, um, that brings me to like sort of a second thing that we've been testing, um, which is, you know, and, and Kurt mentioned this too, pre-iOS, like you were kind of insane to run anything other than like traffic and conversion ads you know, everyone's dumping all their money into conversion beyond that, maybe a little bit in traffic, but nobody's running all these other objectives because like our, you know, 
our goal is revenue. So conversions lead to revenue and traffic leads to conversion. So, you know, outside of those, like I'm not that interested unless I'm media buying for Pepsi in running like anything that's brand awareness based. Um, now, you know, traffic and conversion has gotten a lot more expensive. And I also lose people um, when I send them to my website because 60 to 80% of traffic is mobile in the US. And 60 to 80% of that mobile traffic is iOS. So it's a huge amount of people that when I'm just running traffic campaigns, you know, my ability to retarget has obviously um, lessened to, you know, Android and desktop and and I'm losing a lot of that. So I'm sending them like out into the ether without the ability to retarget them. Well, some of the other objectives, brand awareness, I've literally never used. Um, <laughs> um, it, things like reach, you know, I don't use them very often, but video views and engagement, um, you know, is making a comeback because that is something that happens within the Facebook app and people Facebook is aware of it, so they can retarget it. Facebook, you know, knows who engaged with uh, their stuff. They know who watched their videos. And so one of the tactics that we've been doing, especially with these broad audiences where people have to self-select, is I'm um, having creative teams film like seven videos. I mean, and this is like if I have an unlimited budget and I can tell them to do whatever I want. But if I if I can and, and they'll listen to me, then, you know, I'll say, okay, I need seven videos from you. And I want each video to talk about a pain point that somebody might have that would lead them to your product or service. And, you know, so for a sandbag, for instance, it would be like, uh, I travel all the time and I want to be able to take my equipment with me. Well, cool. You can, you know, put an empty sandbag in your suitcase and fill it up with sand on the beach. And now you have, you know, a barbell, dumbbell, kettlebell set. Um, there's another group of people that might be interested in cost. And so they'll do, uh, you know, hey, I don't want to outfit an entire garage gym. I need one piece of equipment that I can do 300 movements with because it's got eight handles. So you can make it barbell, dumbbell, you know, kind of whatever you want. Squats, cleans, jerks, etc. So that's another like, value-based audience um, that gets a video. And then, you know, there are people that just like want to look really cool um, throwing sandbags around. And so there's that component of like, you know, like you came up with Kyle, like going back to your roots, like I'm a, I'm an old school savage and I'm into functional fitness. And I want to, instead of, you know, doing all this dumb stuff people are doing now, I just want to, you know, be a brute. Yeah. Uh, you know, so again, tribal fitness. <laughs> so, so each one of those kind of addresses a different reason that someone, someone might want to use a sandbag and, and there's probably four more we could come up with. And then with those broad audiences, I am running, a video, a video sequence essentially where I'm looking for, you know, if these are short videos, I'm looking for like one to two cent video views from a broad audience. And I'll probably get that. And then I want to retarget anyone who's watched that first video with the second video. Um, and then I want to watch, I want to retarget anyone who's watched that second video with the third video and so on and so forth. So that by the time I lose them to my website, <laughs> um, they are so overqualified that they'll probably buy. Um, now, again, like you mentioned, Kyle, that's going to take a while. Uh, you know, it's not this fast, like we need conversions now kind of thing. 
but given the nature of Facebook, that has been working um, so that our so that when they get to this conversion level, the cost per conversion is a lot lower. Gotcha. And you're able to keep and track interest exactly. and, and you could almost start segmenting. Hey, I know this is my group that's watched this video. So that tells me X about them. And yeah, exactly. people watch this video tells me X about them. So sorry, Thomas, yeah. you're about to ask a question too. Well, I was curious, like this might get a little too nerdy, but are you like breaking, are you running, say if you've got seven of those pain point videos, are you running all of those at the same time as a top funnel, I guess you'd call it kind of brand, uh, video view campaign. And then whoever watches one, then you're just kind of interceding with all the rest. They don't have tons of money. So I can't just, I can't do this like, you know, in a perfect world, but yeah, essentially we, we could run. Sure. Know, I guess if you're, if you're ranking them, you would do like the most obvious pain point first. So like, Hey, this makes you look cool. If you're into functional fitness, like get into it. And then, you know, beyond that, oh, you can travel with it beyond that, like sort of rank what those are, um, as opposed to running them all at the same time and then having to decipher whoever watched this one. This one. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm probably, you know, simply to, to make it simple, running one uh, for a while to, to build an audience that I know is going to watch the second one. Gotcha. Okay. And then after someone's watched a two or three to a certain point, then you're giving them more of a conversion focus campaign that might be, yep. Yeah, because then you're getting, I imagine much lower CPMs to that than you would have just to a broad audience. Okay. And then, well, and real fast. So how many videos before, like when you're kind of building this out, what do you anticipate is the amount of videos on average that you'd want to do, or even at minimum that you'd want to do before you're going to have that, that conversion ask and, and really drive people to the landing page to buy. Yeah, I'd say probably at minimum two, um, minimum just two. because one video could be a fluke, like they, you know, they stopped their thumb at the, at the right time. Um, <laughs> We've I, all done that. I totally accidentally yeah. watched ads and then gotten, so they're like, you're so interested. And I'm like, no, nah. but um, <laughs> I saw someone was saying it's like they almost they don't show they don't include people who watch 100% for that reason right it's like no yeah, one watches 100% yeah. of a video so they they just they cut those people off yeah. people drop off at 97 if oh, they've got that, what they that want actually or brings up right? a good yeah. point is like a default for you know video view can mean whatever you want it to be so you know if you've got a short video like I I want to target like 95% I want to target like an actual through play someone who, who, who watched the whole thing, um, with a short video. Now, if it's, you know, five minutes, then, then, you know, 20% would be good enough. But for the most part, um, you know, what, what I'm doing by the way to, uh, you know, this goes into a kind of third, uh, tactic is I think right now people are tired of hearing brands talk about themselves. Um, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of brands, you know, being like, we're about, we're the number, my favorite little copy one is like, we're the number one. It's like, what does that mean? Like number one in like revenue or like you just are like, we're great. Um, we're, we're the, the best. number one are an employee's opinions of us. <laughs> yeah. No one <laughs> like, cares more. We're, than I mean, and, and I'm guilty of it. Like I use yeah. it and I think people respond well to it, but it's like, what, that, that is a totally useless like we're the number one in America of, you know, of, of what metric anyway. Um, so, so there's just a lot of noise. So, so, so for these videos, like, yeah, you know, 
for my clients that are lucky enough to have an in-house production team, I can get them done really well. Uh, a lot of my clients are not. And so I'm turning to some UGC like creator platforms um, where you can essentially, it's, it's similar to influencers, but less expensive because you're not buying their audience. You're just buying a 60 second testimonial from them. So you still have to ship them out product. Um, you know, you give them talking points just like you would influencers, but you know, there, there's one called billow, um, that it's like 70 bucks a video or something where you go in, you kind of build your creative brief and then you get them to, uh, you know, fill you, you essentially pick like 10 people for 700 bucks or something and you get them to, uh, you know, film essentially testimonials. And so you can give the, you can give these seven pain points to seven different content creators and have them be the one to talk about your product. Um, the other thing that I love that's similar to that. And real fast, actually. So what was, what was the website that you go through to do that? Cause I think that sounds awesome. And especially I, I imagine you're getting kind of like the iPhone or, you know, a selfie style testimonial, which is so much better. That's a fantastic way to do it. Yeah. I have it feels to tell real. you, I, I don't know this guy's name, but I, um, I bought a video from him for brute force. We ran it as an ad for a while. And then, um, my fiance and I are, are getting married in October. I was looking for wedding bands for him and I started getting served these retargeting ads from the same creator that I had <laughs> bought a video from for brute force. I saw him for this brand called manly band. So that guy gets around. He's really good. He's obviously the one that people pick for the ads. Cause he was, he was the number one for me too. And so I'm like, I get it manly bands, but um, like it's a small a little network. Hustle. Somebody should be doing too. Like <laughs> I do testimonials. So, yeah, yeah. Right. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, this guy crushes, but uh, yeah. So um, it's the website was billow. The one that I know about B I L L O. There are others. Um, and, and what I will say a caveat is, you know, if I am paying 70 bucks a video, I might do 10 of them and be able to use like two of them in ads. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get anyone all excited. Like there's there, you know, this is the, the quality of what you get back. Isn't going to be like what it is if, if you are in full creative control, but um, some of the stuff that we've gotten back has, you know, it's, it's worth it if we get one amazing video ad that converts, um, on, you know, similar note to that is, is branded content ads. I see some businesses using the crap out of these and others, I feel like just don't know they exist, which is essentially like, I'm sure you guys have seen this in your feeds instead of a brand talking them about themselves, it's like a person and it's a person, you know, it's an ad about a brand coming from a person um, where, and that, you know, person and that brand have an arrangement, uh, you know, to allow them to do that on the back end. When I run the exact same video ad from my fiance's creator account, he's, He's no influencer, but he's now a creator. <laughs> when I run a video ad, you know, so so they did a weighted vest launch and we set him up as a creator and we ran the same video ad and the same copy from his account, just being like, hey, I'm really proud of my team for what they came up with. This weighted vest is the best on the market and we've been working on it for a year. Um, and we ran the same thing from the brute force side. And I mostly did that because I was just like curious on the data, like how, how's this going to go? 
CPMs were way, I mean, you know, and the thing about it is like Facebook is always going to throw more money and more success into things that they want to blow up. Um, so of course, like they're going to give us more leeway, I think, on a branded content ad than they are, you know, on just a regular ad. So it was like a seven to one across every metric, like amount of impressions, amount of like clicks, amount of engagements. It like blew the other ad out of the water. So if you have any like influencers you can consider, you know, partnering with or not even influencers, like I said, like Mike, Mike is not one, but I've seen internal companies. Yeah. Companies have used it. I think I've seen what you're talking about from B2B brands and they just got, you know, executive A or VP of marketing is like the person that the ad's coming from almost versus big brand B. Yeah. And totally, if you think about it, it like, it replicates Yelp. Like, you know, it's like, if I take out a billboard and I'm like, I am awesome, like that's fine. And people, some people will believe it. But if somebody else takes out a billboard and says like, Claire is awesome, obviously that's going to be more impactful. And so I think that's why we saw a lot more success on the branded content side. Is it, is it somebody else talking about how awesome a brand is rather than you all the time? Well, I think it also, um, the, it, it breaks the fact that it's an ad, right? Like we've seen so many Facebook ads as we scroll through passively when it looks like a friend yes. that we're not familiar with has posted right. something to share something or the sharing a video. It makes me always pause and go, Hey, who is this? Why do I not yeah. know them? Especially since I went through a period of not realizing I was hitting the buttons wrong and adding people all the time that I didn't know. So then it was like, <laughs> right. oh, yeah. you know, do I need Maybe to remove them? But still like it makes you look at the ad. So, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, that that's super, super smart, super sensible. It sounds pretty easy to execute on too for people that aren't doing that right now. Yeah. And like whether you pay that that creator or not, you know, it is is between, you know, the, the brand and the creator. But the side effect of it, if you if you have a creator, if maybe not a budget to pay a creator, like someone in your circle, um, is their account grows. So you know, Mike doesn't really care about his Instagram account growing, but there are creators out there that, that do care about that and they will get followers and engagement, you know, on their platform um, that, that helps them as well. So. No, that's awesome. That's a, that's a super smart one. I like that. Um, one thing I want to go back to, because I meant to ask this question earlier. So when you're doing with the new budgets, when you're starting a lot broader um, and you're doing kind of the video views and the interest, if you were budgeting for that, when you're starting a new campaign on average, knowing that it's going to be different for every single business, but on average, what would you anticipate to spend before you would anticipate a positive ROI? Like what's kind of that upfront investment since this takes a little more time than a standard traffic conversion? Yeah, I, I guess it just depends on how big you want your audience to be before you go for that conversion. Um, so it depends on the, you know, the, the cost of the product essentially. But, you know, something that frustrates me with launches is they're, they're always just like, hey, we launched yesterday and we want sales right now. And it's like, hey, we got to do a little bit of legwork to get to a place where we have an audience who's even brand aware that we can retarget. So when you are running a video views campaign, if you're running like 30 seconds or less, which is around kind of best practices, like, you know, 15 to 45 seconds is kind of the, the sweet spot for video ads. When you're doing that, like depending on um, you know, how compelling the video is, you're looking for like one to three cent video views. So that's why I really like it. Like on, on the engagement side, like, you know, we, I will get anything from like seven cents to 
a dollar, depending on whether it's a sexy product or a, some B2B SaaS thing, like that's going to be boring for people. But, um, you know, on the video view side, why this works is because essentially, like, you know, let's say it's like you're, you're willing to pay a CPA of 50 bucks or whatever to get them. You only have to carve out like 10 cents out of that 50 bucks to pre-qualify them by the time they get to that conversion. So it's really, um, it's not negligible, but if, you, if you're showing them two videos first to build that audience up, like it's not a big chunk of change that you have to carve out um, if, if you've got, you know, best practice, like shorter videos. Uh, so I don't know if that answers your question, but, you know, if, if it's going to take a while, you know, to get to a place where you've got like hundreds of thousands of views on these videos, but it's not going to take a lot of money. Yeah. Unless of course you wanted more views faster and you want to pour exactly. more money in. So it's one yeah, of those, yeah. it, it depends on what your goal is. Right. But, yeah. um, so if time is of the essence, then you're going to need to spend more money. And if you have more time to be patient, you could make it more economical. So exactly. Um, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. That helps me out. Yeah. So perfect. Well, anyway, so I, I started to take us all the way back there. So you have that piece. Um, then of course we talked about the, the branded, um, the branded ads, which I think is super cool. One other question here, and this might be me being too gray hat here. So there's nothing really stopping you if say it's just the idea, the concept, the way the ad structure, there's nothing stopping you from taking yourself or maybe, you know, somebody within a company being like, you're a creator now, and we're just going to send it from your account. So this isn't my ad to say, Hey, does somebody want a creator of a stocky bearded weird guy? I mean, if you do, I might be open to it, but, um, but, but no, I'm just kind of like, there's nothing yeah, to stop absolutely. you from doing that, right? Okay. No, no. And that's not gray hat at all. I mean, when we did it with Mike, it was super transparent. He said in the copy, he was like, I'm the brute force CEO. And I just wanted to say how proud of my team I am for, you know, developing this vest that's better than anything else in the market. Um, yeah. And, and so, you know, but I don't know that we would have been like, Hey, this is random guy, Mike. And like, people would be <laughs> like, Hey, I thought he's on the website or like, you know, but yeah, essentially, I think you could you could take someone internally and 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 even even if you want to be totally white hat and just be like 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 the way we did it, I'm really proud of my team. I think this is awesome. It's mm -hmm. still not this nebulous brand talking about themselves. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it immediately personifies the brand into a collection of people, which already makes it an easier buying decision. Unless you don't like those people, but that's different thing. <laughs> well, then you just disqualified the wrong people, yeah. which is old school marketing, <laughs> which is, you know, people sell, uh, businesses don't. So it just kind of goes back to that original, which is a great segue into another thing that we're doing. That's, that is working that kind of contradicts this idea that I was talking about around, you know, just have better creative and better copy. Um, you know, part of that's partially true. And, you know, we've kind of talked on the, on the creative side, like getting some user generated content, you know, the, the old iPhone works better than produced videos these days. Anyway, you know, that that's kind of what's working on that side on, on the copy side, like really it's noisy. And the way to stand out is like old school, um, you know, emotional response copy. Uh, you know, it, like I said, can't just be like, yo, got a Labor Day sale buy stuff like that's not going to work it has to be like how's this product going to make you feel um you know storytelling like it, you know justin goff stefan george i like people who sort of have courses to to teach um this emotional response long form um you know copy that's going to stand out 
you know, as you're scrolling um, is, is what we're, we're not pivoting to, but continuing to, <laughs> to work over all else. So, so on that, are you seeing a particular type of emotion work better? I mean, I think the standard copy thing is like negative emotions get more attention, right? Like the negative screams louder, it tends to convert more, but um, we actually had um, Ed Scow on some period of time ago. I, I don't know why I can't remember how long ago it was. And he talked about, he thinks that, you know, that's not going to be something that will sustain, right? He, he feels like we're going to just abuse people and they get enough abuse from, you know, the, the news, everything that's going on in the world, like the fact they can't buy anything, the fact that we're going through an election cycle right now, which one might describe as contentious. Um, so all the negativity actually makes you, makes it less effective. So kind of curious from your opinion, if maybe you're seeing, seeing maybe a shift more positive, or maybe that's just a desire from all of us to have things positive things in our life, or if it's still negative that wins out. I think, I think we can go back to that pain point idea. If I'm, if I'm getting seven videos done, each one's covering a different pain point, then each one of those copy pieces is going to be like, you know, the standard formula. It's like, what was my life like before? You know, uh, what that's like kind of question one. It was, it was drear. I, I, my muscles were weak. Like, you know, I, <laughs> <laughs> you look like me, like a wacky wavy yeah, I, I had noodle arms, um, <laughs> you know, and, and then, you know, what, what motivated me to buy a brute force sandbag? Um, and then, you know, third, what is my life like afterwards and how do I feel? And I think if you do that, then it includes both components. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's a story arc. So yeah, at, at one point my life was sad and now my life is amazing. And, and, you know, from the, from the Facebook ad sort of, um, policy perspective, what you can't do is say, if you feel like this and your life sucks and your muscles are weak and you look bad and, you know, et cetera. And then if you get a brute force sandbag, this will happen to you. It's not like that. It's just like, Hey, this is, this is what, this is my story. This is what happened to me, which implies maybe it would happen to you too. Mm -hmm. So and could you still, if you use that, um, Stefan really hits this one home all the time. He's like, if you're like me, if you're like right. me, this could be your results. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So. Not this will happen to you. That will, that will get yeah. bots will come for you. <laughs> <laughs> Not the bots. We don't want them after yeah. me. Like Terminator, that's no good. Um, all right. I've got one more. Uh, one more kind of what we're doing, uh, which is the the one that I think, you know, nobody wanted to hear for a long time, which is, in a sense, pivot. Um, you know, I think a lot like this sunk cost fallacy that applies to gambling can also apply here where like, let's say you're a Facebook ads agency and that's like all you do. Fortunately for us, that is not all we do. But if that's the case, then I think it can be really difficult as a marketer to like accept this new paradigm where Facebook just Facebook and all social platforms, like as a result of this sort of privacy fallout, it's just not what it used to be. And, you know, as everyone's kind of spinning their wheels and, and falling further down into this uh, shame spiral, you know, the thing to do um, is, is to look at other avenues. And so, you know, Mike bought brute force, like I think something like six days before iOS forced everyone to, you know how like you get the little notification and it's like, 
it's like right now, like 16 is available. It's like, oh, cool. Like, I'll do that later. It takes a long time. And in the middle of the night, I might need to clear out some, you know, apps before I have enough space on my thing. But then there comes a point where it's like, you have to, you have to accept this. Like, this is the new iOS moving forward. And so, so prior to that time, I think something crazy, like 80% of their, of their sales came from Facebook ads. And so it's a really bad time to close on that <laughs> company with that one acquisition channel. Um, but it really forced us like, yeah, it was scary, but it forced us where we had this like long list of stuff that we were going to like work on eventually and like stand up, you know, like um, ambassador program, um, <laughs> affiliates. This is the, this is the ClickBank plug. Um, uh, you know, all these other channels that had been sort of neglected, uh, you know, in that realm, it, it forced our hand to focus on them and to get really savvy with all of them. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's kind of my, my final cry is like, obviously Facebook ads are not dead. If, if they were, I'd be super sad. I have a bunch of clients in that category. Um, and, and we've, you know, I've, I've maintained um, throughout this entire process, pre iOS 14, reading all the stuff, all the scary stuff during kind of explaining to my clients what was going on and post. And so it's, you know, for them, it's not like, Hey, my agency doesn't know what they're doing anymore. It's like, here's the landscape. Let me explain to you what's going on. And here's how much we can squeeze out of this nut as a result of the landscape. Um, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, it, it makes sense with your cogs and everything, our CPAs together, we've still got a ROAS that makes sense. Um, and if not, let's look at all these other avenues. You know, there are other ad platforms. Are they hit by iOS? Absolutely. So it's, I'm not saying, hey, just go on, uh, you know, Pinterest and, and your woes are over. But, uh, you know, a lot of my clients, we do paid search and paid social for them. And we just split the amount of money that we were spending. So we are now spending a lot less on paid social than we were. And we've doubled and tripled down on paid search, which is still affected, um, but a little bit less so. And so I think a lot of agencies are seeing people um, push more money onto the paid search side, but also to build out those other <laughs> acquisition channels, um, you know, like old school direct mail, email marketing, um, you know, outbound, like e-commerce companies doing outbound is really interesting to me right now. Calls like brute force calling on gyms and, you know, fire stations and just basically coming to terms with the fact that things have slowed down <laughs> a little bit, um, around here. And, you know, we, we just need to get our eggs out all out of this basket. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I think it's, it is that I love that you brought up kind of the sunk cost theory. That's the big in gambling or just in general, right? Like we're always told if we've performed like a quant and economically efficiently, we would never consider sunk cost. but hell I do it when I go to a restaurant and I'm like, well, you know, I'm not sure I want anything on the menu, but you know, I'm here now. So I guess I'll just order. It's like just stupid decisions we constantly make um, based on that sunk cost theory. But, but yeah, I think that that idea of just you got to you got to pivot. And if anything, it's hopefully for the smart businesses, it's really prepped you for what is also impending, at least in the States with this recession that will come. Right. We we had 
atypical economic behavior for two years. And whether you call it a recession or aggression, changes that are happening um, that are going to affect your business. And so if you're willing to just pivot and find the next option, it doesn't have to be a bad thing um, as long as you're willing to go out and find the, the next new um, golden age of what Facebook provided for you where it can make marketing seem easy. Or if it has to be hard, you're just going to have to go back to making it hard again um, and find some interesting opportunities to, to succeed. But yeah, outbound on e-commerce, that sounds super interesting. <laughs> right? I mean, that's like, that's like, you know, if you were selling sandbags 500 years ago, how would you do it? You would like walk around your town and be like, I've got this. Yeah, <laughs> sell it out of your trunk. You would really draw a line in the sand. You'd probably go to a beach like Muscle Beach with empty bags, fill them up and get the sweaty guys to to go do it, you know, something like that. So um, anyway, and what, well, instead of us building out ad campaign ideas, I think that's really big and definitely something that uh, people should ask themselves, right? If you're not pivoting, if you, you know, just take a moment, reflect, don't think about all the investment, all what's happened before, but just right now where your best opportunities lie. Yeah. So. My word of 2021 um, was diversification, um, you know, because if when you do it with stocks, when you do it with anything in your life, like it brings more calm than when you have a hundred percent of your vested interest in Facebook ads is sort of a, a bummer of a way to go. So now, you know, right after that, it, it was nowhere near as impactful, but iOS 15 affected email marketing. And so, you know, each time it's like, Hey, surprise, here's a new, like sort of scary thing to face. And you can kind of rest assured, like, Oh, that's okay. Like, my email marketing, you know, might suffer by X percent, but I've got all these other things stood up and, you know, I don't have to worry as much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thomas, any other questions or anything you you want to add? I've got a few, but I wanted to give you a chance, Claire, for people to figure out where, where can they find more out about you? Like if they wanted to come explore your services with your agency or things like that. I, I have a few call them bonus questions after that. <laughs> Our agency is Best Practice Media. Um, we are headquartered in Austin and Denver. Um, we do organic social, which is rare um, because it is so resource heavy. Um, or, uh, organic social, paid social, organic search, paid search, and influencer marketing. I'll be sure to include that in the show notes and everything like that. I just had really two questions that, that can be rapid fire for you. Are there... Um, do you find that third, I call them third party trackers. I don't know if that's the right term. Things like Hyros or Red Tracker, Volume, Everflow, et cetera. Um, do you find that those help with any of the data matching, data tracking across platform? It, it helps with the that first one that everyone's focused on, which is tracking. Um, it doesn't help with the fact that Facebook doesn't know who's in what audiences. Um, but why I like Hyros is it's got a plugin that goes directly into Facebook ads manager and will allow me to see the difference between what Facebook is reporting and what Hyros is reporting. And Hyros will allow me to select the attribution model that I want. Um, so whether it's last click or scientific, I can, I can toggle between them and see like, okay, you know, how does this data relate to the, to the data that's being lost on the Facebook side? Um, you know, and, and, I think that plugin is really great because a lot of people will say, oh, you don't need Hyros, just use Google Analytics and dynamic UTM codes and you'll be fine. But that assumes you have like a lot of time where you can 
get the Facebook data, take that to Google Analytics, compare the two, and then bring that back to Facebook and say like, based on this, I'm going to make these changes in another platform. So I think like a melding of the two, being able to see it all in one window has been really helpful for me. Okay. That makes sense. And then when you're say, let's say it's like a lead call, someone that you're chatting with that you're exploring, is there like a gut check you have and like a minimum CPA where you're like, okay, that could work. Like where's your, Where's your line with that on like a CPA on Facebook? It totally depends on the product. Um, <laughs> but, you know, these days my preference is for uh, products that cost more because it gives me more leeway to get higher CPAs. Um, and I can just focus on profit margin instead. Um, but yeah, I mean, it totally depends on the product, but if I'm, if, if it's like, Hey, we've got a $5 product and we want to run Facebook ads. I'm like, you know, that, that doesn't give me, and, and our cogs are three fifty. Like, you know, that I think, I think the cog versus price conversation, if I can get them to give me that information, um, you know, is, is really important for me because I, I do back into those numbers. Like at what point do these CPAs not make any sense? Yeah, that's something you have to look at any customer acquisition channel, right? We do the same thing with affiliates. And it's like, how much do I pay affiliates? It's like, how much can you afford not to pay affiliates, right? (laughs) If you don't want to get traction. Well, I think you really hit it on the head too. It's like the more that you could play with, the more availability you have as a marketer to test, scale, be patient, um, spend time, and really scale a campaign. You just, when you have that leeway, um, you know, sale times, like the more you could pay, the more you could play. Same with affiliates, same with media buying. Really, I'd say just in marketing in general, whoever could pay the most could play the most and get the most money um, afterwards. So, well, awesome. Well, I, I know um, we're actually, we're over the hour. I don't want to have to take too much of your time. Someone's calling me in my ear. That's super bizarre and weird. Yeah, so uh, really appreciate the time. Um, again, for all the users out there, uh, be sure to go to the website. We'll actually put some of the links in the talks um, and videos that, that Claire mentioned in the show notes as well, so you could reference those things. So they're super amazing. Really loved what you covered today. I thought it was just really insightful, impactful, hopefully something that people could take and change their business tomorrow after listening to it. Um, And again, just really appreciate your time, Claire. Everyone out there, um, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, all the things that you're supposed to do um, on the podcast. And please continue to ask questions. Send us an email, a Facebook post, especially to Thomas or or on Instagram um, with anything you'd like to see, anyone you'd like us to talk to, and we'll definitely do our best. Um, And as well, just be excited and on the lookout, And depending on the drops. We are going to be at TNC. We're going to be doing some live podcasts there. Those are always super fun. Lots of great energy. Grand, we will we'll probably be in a little bit more of a quiet room than last time, um, but it, it should be a good time. We're excited for that. But um, of course, thank you again, Claire. Thank you all the listeners. And Thomas, what do you say to send things off? Happy scaling, everybody. Let's go. Happy scaling. Perfect. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much.